In the 1930s, 7 million farms were in operation in the United States. Today, there are only 2 million, and yet almost half of United States land is used for farming. As more and more farms become subject to big corporations, it becomes more difficult for individual farmers to operate their agribusinesses. I have an entire episode on corporate and modern agriculture and their environmental impacts that you can listen to now. But today, I'm going to be interviewing the founder of a sustainable farm in New Jersey. This is Green Me. Hi everyone, today we're here with Dr. Hisham, who is the owner of Good Tree Farm, a sustainable farm in New Egypt, New Jersey. So to start, why don't you tell us what inspired you to start a sustainable agribusiness? I have been in the United States since uh, 1980. When I was 18, I came here and uh, we started this uh, agribusiness in 2007. For about 20 some years, I had been concerned about the, uh, the image, the impact, the presence of Muslims in America. And at this point, we are all quite aware of how the um, hostility and the negativeness against Muslims and Islam has increased yeah. over time. And when I, over the years, tried to understand why, I realized there's multiple reasons. One of them was most people who came to America as Muslims, they kept their head down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the rest of American society doesn't see them, doesn't hear them, doesn't know them, except from the news. I looked at our Jewish cousins. They learned that they need to be part of American society and the rest of America needs to see them as a Jewish minority mm-hmm. fully yeah. giving, giving back to society. Uh, but then when I looked around with a critical Muslim eye, I could not see the same things for us. So I basically made a call to my fellow Muslims in Central Jersey. I have an idea. It's within my area of expertise and competence. Let's start an organic farm. There is public support for organic farming. Uh, It is a good thing, ethically speaking. And there was 26 investors who liked the idea and put uh, varying amounts of money into the project so we could buy land and begin. Okay, Uh, that's that's great. that's, That's basically why I started. I wanted America to see that there is something American Muslims can do within their sphere of expertise that has nothing to do with politics uh, and warfare overseas. Yeah, that's great. So you've been running this farm for a long time now. What problems have you experienced running the sustainable agribusiness and how have you resolved some of them? So we did have a lot of challenges, actually. We bought the farm at the beginning of summer 2007. It was empty land, there's no buildings, uh, no well, no water, no irrigation, uh, no electricity, no roads on the farm, just empty land. When you think of the term start-up, it was absolutely a start-up. Yeah. There's nothing there. 
what challenges have we faced? If you remember, uh, in 2008, the financial crisis hit. The response from the government was very big, but the response was big in terms of saving the financial institutions. Yeah. The people who suffered as a result were given nothing. Yeah. Gasoline, which is used to transport anything and everything almost, went from $1.25 when I wrote my budget for the business to more than $4 in 2009. And that increased the price of every nail I would buy mm -hmm. by that amount, at least, if not more. So my budget was blown out of the water. That wasn't the only challenge we subsequently faced because as I soldiered on and we kept on going, the uh, climate change impacts started to hit us. So we suffered total loss of season about four or five times. Oh, so what do you mean by that? I was about to explain. Oh, okay. uh, for a farmer whose mm -hmm. crops are not in a controlled environment, you are dependent on the weather. And those environmental factors also impact biological factors like disease and insect. Mm -hmm. As an organic farm, we cannot spray. Yeah. Because we can't control insect populations quickly with a chemical spray, like other conventional farmers do, mm -hmm. uh, it takes us longer to control a problem of biological nature when it starts to occur, driven by the environmental factors, than other farmers. Yeah. So environmental challenges in a year could be compounded by the additional biological cha challenges. As an example, one year, no, two years, we had excessive heat. Most species of plants have a comfort range for economic yield that is within certain minimums and maximums. If your maximums go far beyond your limit, you as a plant are sitting out there losing water uh, for us, it would be sweating. For a plant, it's similar. It's called transpiration. Mm -hmm. You're losing a lot of water very fast. It's faster than your roots can draw water from the soil. But because the soils themselves are drying, there is also less water for your roots. So you are stressed. And in some years, as in those two that I'm mentioning, you get... so. When you look at all the different environmental challenges that have happened, um, we also were hit by two hurricanes. Uh, one is Irene, and that caused damage to our uh, greenhouse plastic. Uh, it's it's smaller uh, uh, financial loss, but it's more of a um, disruption of operations because now you have to take time at a critical time of the season to uh, replace plastic on your greenhouses. The second hurricane was Sandy. We lost all of the greenhouses. Everything was destroyed. So it's been a very rough ride for me personally and for the business generally. But uh, if you look at the two factors that caused most of our problems, the climate change and the economy, both of them are fundamental to why more people need to do 
local food production in a sustainable way. Yes, exactly. And both of them uh, have to do with what we would call the system as it is now and everything that's wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Because someone in any society who's producing food should be the last to suffer from a banker's risk taking yeah. not the first yes not the first but that's exactly what happened across america i'm not alone in what i have described to you mm -hmm. uh, established farms even established businesses in farming suffered like i did across the country both because of climate change impacts and because of the financial impacts of the mismanagement of the economy by greedy investors and financiers. Okay, so um, on your website, you describe having surface runoff protection buffer zones to prevent soil runoff from farms. So could you explain what these buffer zones are and how they work? Sure. When you dump a lot of water on a farm, the topography, the highs and lows of the farm, will impact what that larger amount of water does to the soil. On our farm, one of the things we spent a lot of money on was landscape engineering. If the water is running down a steep slope and there's not a good plant cover on the surface of the soil, mm -hmm. the water will loosen the soil, pick it up and carry it into the stream or the river mm -hmm. it will leave behind erosion yeah what often is called uh, gullies gullies are basically areas where water has cut into the soil and moved it out of there so there's a there's a gash there's a it's like a wound in the soil mm -hmm. where the soil that was there is gone so the buffer zones would be areas you do not disturb the soil and you keep the vegetation as high as you can. That is not vegetation that you are cropping, harvesting. That's vegetation that you are letting grow uh, so that it can be the physical barrier or impedance to slow down the water. Those are the main functions of the buffer areas. They can have trees, they can have shrubs, they can have uh, low, lower lying vegetation, but it needs to be dense. It needs to have very thick, uh, effective root systems so that they can hold the soil and slow the water. Yeah, there, there is this whole unit in... Um my environmental science class where we learned about how things like deforestation and not having cover crops is like increasing rates of flooding for people who like live nearby and stuff like that. And it's because of what you just said. So that's great. Yep. So for farmers or people who want to incorporate sustainable practices like cover crops or compost or etc., where would you suggest they start and which of these like sustainable practices, whether it's cover crops or irrigation or like whatever, which one was the easiest for you to implement on your farm? Well, uh, easy is a relative adjective mm -hmm. because uh, 
what's right for one location and one owner or farmer may not be what's right for the other. In terms of what is the most effective for us, it was to work with what we have, correct the problems that we could see, and then uh, leave a vegetation to do the rest as far as stabilizing against any possible erosion. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I have one more question. Um, on your website, you talk a lot about how you have a goal of achieving a tilling-free farm. And we know that tilling and plowing tosses up soil and causes erosion. So tilling-free would be great. So how, do you, how would you like to achieve that goal? Okay, um, first one correction. It's not that tilling causes erosion. What it does, however, is it physically disrupts the ecosystem of the soil. Mm -hmm. So when people, most people, who are not read and informed, think of soil, they think of soil as something that is not alive. It's just sand and clay. But the soil is the entire uh, volume of all those things. It includes microorganisms like algae, fungi, and it includes bacteria. They're all part of the natural creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But because we as human beings look at things from a selfish human perspective, we say harmful and beneficial. So what is harmful for us is bacteria that would damage the soil. Or a microorganism like, for example, a nematode. A nematode is a microscopic, uh, almost like a worm uh, creature that eats into the roots of plants. Mm -hmm. Some damage the plants, some work with the plant roots. Same thing with fungi, same thing with bacteria. But Allah didn't create anything except there is a role for it somehow. It's just that we didn't understand the role yet. Mm -hmm. Or we are choosing to look at it from our selfish cost and benefit perspective. Yeah. A soil that is frequently disturbed by tilling, plowing, is constantly losing those aspects that make it alive. So we disturb bacterial and fungal colonies. One of the most important benefits is the root system of the plant now is far bigger in its water harvesting capacity. And in many studies also in mineral harvesting capacity. Uh, and it's a healthier plant that can withstand climate extremes better. Mm -hmm. But when you're constantly plowing the fields, you're breaking up all these fungal hyphae. You're disturbing all these concentrations of beneficial bacteria or insects or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where the damage to the healthy life of a soil occurs. When you leave soil undisturbed, it becomes much richer in all those life forms it gives the soil a better ability to uh, hold on to water. Yeah. And that's important in dry seasons. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for your time and for answering my questions. Um, Alhamdulillah. Yep. And for all the listeners out there, I hope you learned something new. Thanks for listening in on this episode of Green Me.